everyone and welcome to the Friday edition of the Dark Delight podcast with Frankie Val on the drums and Michael Pelka. <laughs> I'm still having a hard time with Friday. I'm sorry. And Beans, I said on Wednesday, like, come on, you got to come up with something. You know, Frank's always like, you know, Frankie Val on the drums or and he's like, they're not supposed to bring that up when you're talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why shouldn't we? Is it, I was told nothing would be off the table. That's that's true. I mean, it's true. okay. It's hard to duplicate things sometimes, Tracy. This is true. I mean, it's all it's all you, baby. It's all you. <laughs> so, um, Frank, I let everybody know on Wednesday that the Dark Delight yeah. Extravaganza is August twenty sixth through September first in in the same amazing location as last year. In the same exact house. Yeah. Wowee, North Myrtle Beach. Yep. So Ching. that's something to look forward to. Yeah. And um, we're, I think we're going to need another one this year. So there's another one next door. You know, Two houses? One? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah. So that's I can't fun. believe you're having a sequel. I, I, I'm thrilled for you. And my friend, I have a buddy, Jim, who runs a, a great car repair business just across the Delaware border in some state called Pennsylvania. And he goes, are you going to that thing in the summer? Are you going to be there? He says, I would love to go, but, you know, my my wife would kill us both. Why? <laughs> so, Why is that? Well, we guys of my era just anticipate a debauchery when a gathering like this happens. As I used to call it, my unsupervised years. They brought their, everybody brought their significant others with them last time. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Well, my wife won't go. She doesn't like group things at all. Nothing group things. Well, from the time I was there, it was just a lot of people eating apps and making cocktails. Yeah, that's what it was. The drinking patriots joined us. Do you know who the <laughs> how, drink- how have I not heard of this group? Oh, my goodness. This group. Mike, Mike, the drinking patriots. Drinking patriots have a website. I'm going there right now. I'm part of the Bourbon Cowboys. That's a different group altogether. Oh, these, Sounds like it. These guys created a book during the pandemic. They needed a way to subsidize their drinking. So they came up with a good tax deductible way to do that and created a book full of amazing drink recipes that are all very much themed in the American uh, Americana. Hence the Drinking right. Patriots. Very contemporary. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great book. Yes. I'm I'm all in. I'm I'm going to be all in. I'm belly up to the bar, boys. I'll be looking. I found them, and um, I I'm going to be joining them shortly. There you go. Awesome. Okay. So sadly, Frank, have you been following what's going on with COVID? Uh, what COVID? Yeah. Well, it's. Bad. Are you talking? Are you talking about the um the 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 data dumps more? No. So Fauci came out yesterday. Now that's not how that you you misinterpreting that. Okay. Completely. We can't have fake news here, Tracy. Please clarify. Okay. Dr. Anthony Fauci crawled out of his lair, saw his shadow, and predicted six more months of COVID. Oh, he, he was seen again? Yes. Yes. And what did he say? I, I missed this. He's talking about the subvariant of Omicron BA.2. Okay. Which is taking the world by storm right now. So That's the one that has caused China to lock down 51 million people out of 1.6 billion that they have. And it's less uh, troublesome, if you will, than uh, the original Omicron. Not, can, not if you look at their data. It's not. Hmm, that's what I was hearing out of Cleveland Clinic. But they're saying it's more deadly than Omicron. Lots of death. Lots of death. Are you serious? For real? Yeah. yeah. Where, and where is this happening? Well, Hong Kong is where the big epicenter is right now. And and so there's a bunch to unpack here because for the past couple of years, we started the pandemic with China, right? China sending out, oh, we were talking about this in like December when they were showing videos of people being welded into their homes and collapsing on the street. And then yes. all of a sudden, China had no cases of COVID, right? And the most like draconian lockdown measures in the entire world. And supposedly for the past two years, China's cases have been literally like zero because everybody is 
locked into their homes. They haven't really loosened up on their restrictions. They've, you know, they basically have now forced vaccinated about 75 to 80 percent of their population. But the Omicron variant has taken over there, this BA2 variant. And it's it's supposedly infecting a population full of immune or or naive, I should say, um, (laughs) COVID patients. So aren't aren't they aren't they uh, isn't what they're vaccinating people with not what we're using over here? They have they have a different vaccine than the Pfizer vaccine, um, but it still is is for the alpha variant. Okay. All right. I I heard the one thing I did hear is that there's over 30 million people now been locked down again in China. I just didn't know. um, I didn't know exactly why. So. So um, Berenson had a a, or I'm sorry, Igor Chudov, who is one of the people that write Substack on COVID, had a couple weeks ago said bad news from Hong Kong. And he has a Substack article and you can see the chart. It goes from legit zero. He starts it off saying something very strange is happening. And this is from March 5th in Hong Kong. I'm not the first to write about it, but I wanted to do a good job of compiling the information and informing my readers. So if you take a look at this chart, it's like legit zero cases. And then all of a sudden the deaths per million in Hong Kong are three times the highest death rate in the U.S. or Israel. The calculated case fatality rate there is 4.83 percent as of March 5th. So the Omicron peak here of the first wave is 0.3% or 16 times lower than what they're experiencing in Hong Kong. And so everybody's like, hmm, you know, what's going on here? So this is the BA.2 variant of Omicron that's affecting Hong Kong right now. And somebody in the comments underneath this who lives there posted something super interesting. Do you want to hear it? Sure. He says, "Um, I wanted to give my two cents on the situation since I live here. Hong Kong had the unique opportunity to look at the world around them as a crystal ball of what could potentially happen. City lagged behind the world in terms of COVID cases. The government contributed its success to their experience with SARS-1 and their zero COVID policy. They were able to keep COVID at bay for two years, and the government sat on its laurels, patting themselves on the back on the good job they've done. And because of this, they built quarantine units in the outskirts of the city, Penny's Bay, and anyone who had COVID or a close contact had to go there for 21 days. This is what they were doing. All of this was fine and dandy until Omicron started to emerge. Then the government turned up the fear knob to 11 and told people to get vaccinated or they'll die. I remember that the vaccination rate jumped somewhere from like the mid 60s to more than 70 percent. And a week later, cases started to explode. Somehow within two years, they failed to notice that cases explode after mass vaccination. That's true. And as the cases soared, the vaccination rate followed. And as vaccination rate soars, cases soar in an ironic, obvious cycle that was completely predictable. Most of the deaths so far are from the elderly, from retirement homes. Not surprising. Mm. Um, There are mass outbreaks in apartment buildings because of the way they were built. People are getting infected by just opening up their windows. Some scientists estimate that 15% of the 7.5 million inhabitants are already infected. The hospitals are overflowing. People can't get access to medicine and even private clinics are closed. People in Penny's Bay and quarantine hotels are locked up with little to no help. He goes on and talk, talked about the um, early summer holiday in schools there from March to late April. So they're going to convert schools to testing centers. However, the whole city is shut down. There's a vaccine pass in place. In April, the requirement will be two shots. And in June, it'll be three shots. Okay, so based on the genesis of the the, the last uh, what what happened to us the last two years and where it all started, you know the whole Wuhan story and all that. Why do you think that with this coming out, uh, with this getting around, there is a concerted effort to to still strip away all of the so the so called social controls? The UK just stopped. Uh, they voted to get rid of the masks on the planes, all that stuff. It's it's interesting that um, there's not a lot of public concern uh, that's coming out of the same people who were locking us down for far less reason well, in gonna, the last you know, two years. I agree as of right now, but that's going to change, I think, in the next couple of days. Um, You're already starting to see Western Europe cases spiking. That's uh, that's happening now. 
And with Fauci popping out and saying this, uh, he's expecting that to come here. And he talked in that interview yesterday, he mentioned a return to a brief return to masking and some of the other restrictions that don't work anyway. So it's just all nonsense. But here's the point. It it seems to me speculatively anyway, a, a few things. It went away. It went away when we needed the State of the Union address and Biden to be very confidently saying that we, you know, have done such a great job. Stop demonizing everybody, blah, blah, blah. But the problem is, is a couple of things. You can't deny science. And Igor in his column here absolutely gives a little hat tip to antibody dependent enhancement and the non-sterilizing vaccination as a cause for this more what appears to be even in even in the UK data and Germany's data more deadly version of omicron the problem is that the the deaths are happening in it's and i know the proportion of people who are vaccinated is higher but if you look at the numbers the deaths are happening 90 to well 9 to 1 in vaccinated people hospitalizations the same thing so everybody's very hesitant to jump to antibody dependent enhancement or original antigenic sin as the cause for this but they're also saying we can't rule it out because you've got a ridiculously large you know population and you've got the Pfizer CEO coming out for fourth booster now and the reason why I think they're doing that is because they're trying to give that little boost that they say protects enough to protect people from this second wave when their their immune response you know ramps up so that it isn't transparent what's going on um and so that's what i think they're trying to do here because there's only so long they can kick this ball down the road and hide what's going to become plain and frank have you noticed any of this stuff happening and then mike you too like have you noticed the uptick in in covid talk now that the state of the union is done and they can't deny ba2 no, I honestly I haven't. I've been I've been keeping an eye out for things. All I've been seeing was the the uh, the, the Senate vote on the airline masking uh, earlier on in the week. Uh, this I saw. The only thing I knew about this was that there was lockdowns going on in in China again to the tune of tens of millions of people. But uh, so what you're saying is out of the tracking of this latest this latest phenomenon out there. There, the, the subtext there is that nine to one of the deaths are people who are vaccinated compared to those who are not. Yes. Okay. So then this wave, this wave may be the the, the beginning of the really deadly fallout of the uh, the cure you're talking about. If if it's if it's related to what some of the scientists have been raising red flags about, yes. But you know, it also appears as though. Um, in the United States, at least, we have greatly escaped that. Even with Omicron, yes, there were more vaccinated people in the hospital, but it didn't appear as though it was as bad as it is in Israel and Hong Kong and UK because they're hiding their data and the UK, well, the US is hiding their data and the UK does not. So you can look over at their weekly reports and you can see it plain as day. They put four pages worth of disclaimer. You can't read this data this way. You can't read. And they only started doing that when the data didn't suit their agenda. See, I did a whole um, expose on this, how they changed their weekly data presentation once more vaccinated people started becoming seriously ill because they can't have vaccine hesitancy. So they wanted to make sure that everybody knew that the data wasn't really reliable for vaccinated hospitalization and death, even though it's still being released and it's still there. Okay. Well, a couple of things about data and data are really should not be squishy things, but number one, any data that comes out of China, I immediately discount because I don't trust anything that comes out of China. Yep. And I think everybody should. Now we know there are 51 million people in cities that are in lockdowns, but everything else is subject to, um, uh, uh, raised uh, higher than Nancy Pelosi's eyebrows. Save that point. Yeah, and save that point because I want. I mentioned that in the beginning. So, what motivation? Like, I know that they haven't had zero COVID cases this entire time. It's just absolutely right. impossible, right? Yeah, right. So it just reminds me of what they did the first go round when they needed to control the world economy and get everybody to fall to their knees. What did they do? They over-exaggerated 
a COVID crisis, you know, the, the propaganda videos coming out of people collapsing on the streets, that was just false. They don't care about their citizens. So they, they sent pictures of them welding people into their homes to scare the living daylights out of the world. And the world stupidly followed suit. So what is there if there if this angle is the case? What angle does the does Hong Kong and China have to bring the world to its knees again? Can anyone answer in the class? Um, I I would like to throw an answer out there. Sure. Um, Taiwan. So what what how would their covid policy and freaking the world out about covid help them take Taiwan? Well, you locked you locked down your your country, or you tell everyone you've locked down your country. And when you lock down the critical ports, you gum up the supply chain once again, which puts all the Western economies into an apoplectic state. And now they are distracted from their economic revival, which was underway, and their focus on Russia and the Ukrainian problem to once again start rattling your sabers and getting ready to reclaim, as Putin claimed he was doing with Ukraine, what is officially, in your mind, yours, and that is Taiwan. And I think that's ultimately where they're headed. Frank, you're the geopolitical expert on the show, not me. Oh, oh, I know that's what I am. Yes. I was proud that that's who you were. Yeah, well, you're just trying to think about what the uh, what the what you call what the, the the this latest COVID wave is really all about in as it pertains to China. Yeah, like what motivation would China have? I don't know because I'll tell you, in 20, uh, 2020, it seemed like there was a lot of joint motivation uh, between China and the uh, the American shadow state. Well- to have this go around the world, everybody got a little piece of the pie. This is a uh, this was a, a a a boom for for globalists all over the place, and now there's this splitting. There's a splitting of allegiances a little bit more. There's no honor amongst thieves, of course, and uh, I, I just don't know where where China is going to throw down for the long haul. I mean, they're 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 a part of a, a small number of really interesting uh, parallel economic partnerships with. With Russia, who's being uh, shunned by um, the new Soviet Union and NATO, and I, I, I just don't know. I'm just playing observer from here on in because nothing ever really makes sense anymore. Um, what about the election? may I add, may I add something to this? No. Okay. No, I'll, go I'll ahead. Add, add. I, I do think what China is ultimately doing, and they're doing it with Russia, is going to flex economic muscle and lend a whole bunch of money to a whole bunch of countries around the world. And when they default on it, then China automatically has assets in every one of those places, airports in the Middle East, airports in Africa, mines in in critical areas to get even more rare earths that the rest of the world is hungering for. So this is all part of it. And if they get Taiwan back, that kind of tamps down the local irritation so they can continue that giant takeover that they so dream about. So what about United States elections, Frank and Mike? Well, this is when you were talking about the um, when you're talking about this, this latest thing and you said how they needed it to be far, far away from the public consciousness when you're doing that ridiculous state of the union. I uh, I agree with you. And of course, it makes even more sense that now the state of the union is behind us. And we're um, we're 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 looking down the home stretch, well the home stretch toward the midterms. There needs to be some kind of a uh, something you can build up fear about um, uh, encouraging people to stay home and vote by mail again. So there's always that looming over everything now. So I mean that that's the that's the first thing my mind went to, of course. I I, I as, as did mine with Fauci when Fauci came out and said we're going to have another wave, we're going to have to have more restrictions. And at the same time, he asked for $22.5 billion more in COVID funding as Pelosi asked for another $45 billion in COVID funding. I'm guessing that's to put new drop-off mailboxes out for the midterms, which will be six months, just a little over six months from now. We'll be in peak midterm early voting season. And that's why I said the other day, open early voting now. Put a, a drop box at every gas pump. <laughs> And every grocery checkout line 
so people can actually see what they're voting for. Yeah, I, I just there's so many things at play here with this, and it's it's never it's never as it seems. But I, I mean, I do think I'm looking at all the actuarial data. I'm looking at the life insurance. I'm looking at the funeral homes. The, there are publicly traded funeral homes. Ooh, that was a bad pop. Do you know that? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, publicly traded? No, I didn't know that. SCI, when, when I was in the executive search business uh, back in the 80s, SCI was a mega corporation that was a publicly traded funeral home business. And they used to put out like how many caskets they sold that year in their annual report, which I just thought was grisly, but it's a reality. Funeral homes are as much of a legitimate business as uh, drive-through food places. Why not? Yeah, so there are publicly traded funeral homes and you can see their annual reports and you can compare year over year. And you can look and see how many people are are dying. And, and, and you have to be able to take out their land purchases and, you know, look at look at the, the actual because their businesses are very complicated. I, I never realized how complicated, actually. Um, but you can look at that stuff. And so, you know, I keep on saying the insurance industry is really going to be the linchpin on all of this. Somebody's going to need to pay the piper on it. And. When they're done being like everybody on my I, I had a, tre- a thread on Truth Social. Have you gotten on there yet, Frank? No, no, of course Damn not. Damn it. It's never going to happen. Yeah. Let me check, uh, Tracy, while we're doing this. Let me see how close am I to being on uh, Truth Social? Um, uh, you're um, 849,519th in line. Yeah, but those numbers don't mean anything. What? Uh, yeah, because pe- pe- yeah, people with higher numbers than me have already gotten in. I'm just sitting around. What is your number, Frank? Like 200,000 something. Yeah, see? Um, and I'm not, uh, it, it is what it is because that is the request for the at quite frankly name. So if I don't get in with, I, I'm just going to leave it because all I really wanted to do is reserve my name. So if it just stays in in uh, in stasis like that, then at least nobody else can have the name. You know what's fantastic about it? I know this is a little off topic, but that's fine. We can segue now. I love it because it's all you remember like Shem. You're still on Twitter, though, so that doesn't really matter for you. Yeah, it's like the gang's all back together. The gang's all back together. Like, Mike, when when I started on Twitter, like back in the day, there was a whole group of us that really worked to unwind the Spygate story. Mm-hmm. And like we were in the the Hipsy report and, and Congressman Nunez was on the show and he told us how much he used all of our work in their investigations and. We were all together and we were like a force to be reckoned with on Twitter. And of course, that's why they got rid of all of us. But now we're all back on Truth Social together. So like it's been like an extravaganza unlike any other, not a not a drinking extravaganza like the Dark to Light podcast extravaganza, but an extravaganza of information. I missed it. Yeah, well, it sounds like a great time. Yeah, and from two guys sitting on the outside looking in going, wow, that sounds like a good party. Wish we could get in. Well, one day you will. One day you will. I, I, I need to do this. I know you don't normally prepare, like, seriously, Frank, but we haven't talked to you in a week. What the hell are you doing? What are you up to? Yeah. Uh, what, in, like, in, in, my, in my life? Yeah, in general, I miss you. Oh, I just, uh, well, I don't know. The last couple of days I've been I've been trying not to burn down my my hometown because of my hatred for the IRS. What I'm what I'm starting to see with uh, the IRS and taxes as it's being prepared this year is uh, is beyond a nightmare. So I um, I've been pissed off at that. Other than that, everything else is really, really great. Other than wanting to burn down everything I ever knew in my life. I love I love my life and I love <laughs> being around and the baby just makes everything better. So what happened I know you probably can't get into detail, but what are they doing? Denying you? Ex- oh, it, the, the the concept of a self-employment tax is is so incredibly demonic, um, almost as demonic as an estate tax. And um, and hey, it's just every year, every year, my my disdain for what is a 97 percent illegitimate federal government grows, grows <laughs> grows and solidifies. There is nothing that anybody can ever do to sell me on the legitimacy of what we are living under right now. And it's the worst part because for everything we can say about places like New York, the state taxes 
are, are really nothing compared to federal. And of course, if federal taxes went away, New York would become East Berlin. Yeah. But I but it's uh, it, it still just goes to show I, I could leave tomorrow and go to the, the 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 reddest, fieriest, reddest state in the in the union and still would get massacred by uh, yeah. by D.C. Your accountant sucks. And I keep telling you that every year. No, I, I need an, I think I, I need a new one before. I have to shop around before I submit this because that's the one. first thing I thought. I have one. That can work in New York? Yeah, he's in New York. Okay, well, I, I need to talk to somebody just for a second opinion because something doesn't seem right. There's I no not, way that you I did sh- not double my income since last year. There's no reason why my taxes should have more than doubled. No. And I, did, I, didn't, I didn't move into a new tax bracket. Please, Frank, there's plenty of reason. We spent a lot of money. We need you. <laughs> <laughs> you to pay your share. It's fairness, Frank. Well, I didn't move into a new da- tax bracket, and nothing changed with the with the uh, the the code. So what the hell happened? She, your accountant sucks. That's what happened. I am mm. starting to suspect the same. I will help you. I will help <laughs> you with this dilemma, Mike. How are you doing on your taxes? Oh, it's so much fun. I just sent uh, an overnight package to my accountant who lives on Long Skinny Island. See. Same guy. And uh, he's a wizard. Um, We pay, you know, quarterly because we are pretty much self-employed in our world. And that always gets me. So every three months, Frank, I have a smaller meltdown where I and I I suggest that maybe that's the solution. Rather than having one nuclear bomb go off in your life, do four quarterly. uh, I do. I I do. I do estimated tax payments. I don't. I, I do estimated tax payments and I force myself to spend egregious amounts of money on my business so that it, so that it, I thought that this would, would this would offset it. But no, no, there's something no, terribly there's an wrong. IRS, there's an IRS provision. You have to go back deep into the code and the code's like 78,000 pages uh, that says if they can prove you are related to either Adam or Eve, they can deny any deduction you make. <laughs> It's just in, you have to look at it. It's, it came from decades ago, man. Yeah, well, it's, that's, just a, that's a little bit of what's been going on with me, I guess. If you have any specific questions, Tracy, I'm, I'm always uh, that's always a, a bigger help. Yeah, I will. I will definitely um, I will get in touch with you after this and help you out with that situation for sure. So right. there's that. Um, OK, moving on. I didn't want to spend a ton of time on the uh, horrible situation overseas, except to mention did you guys meant? Did you guys see Tucker Carlson destroy that congresswoman? Are you no. talking about the Salazar woman? Yeah. Okay. This is what a yappy little lapdog. I swear, every time she she opened her mouth, I became more embarrassed. For she made me embarrassed just across the board because I know that the more she spoke, the more she thought she was hitting it out of the park. But she is such a loser. Oh, my God. Congress is just full of losers, inarticulate dumbasses. You uh, you can play a little bit. It it just gets worse and worse. Yeah, I'm going to play the clip about illegal immigration where he pins her on this. Do you want to because basically what she's doing, Mike, I don't know if you know. Do you know Uh, a little bit? But yes, I I have um, I have um, schadenfreude. For all the destruction of people like the Salazar woman that happens publicly. I just love it. She's a Republican in quotes. And she is right. trying to secure Ukraine. She wants war there. She's been very clear about it. And she's basically more passionate about Ukraine's border than she ever could possibly hope to be about our own. Because she has a bill that is is basically opening the border to anybody that wants to come across. And Tucker calls her on it. Here we go. One of you to understand you're for defending a foreign country, but not our own. And I think it's pretty clear. I am supporting for all the technology we could find so we can secure the border. We are we're all the military, the veterans, the police forces that we could hire so we can secure and seal the border, not only for people, but fentanyl and child sex traffickers. So I just yeah. told you the bill is right there. It's there's technology. It's not so simple as to say you're going to put this or that. It's a series of, of, of technicalities, a series of technology. Because, that we I, need I get to it. Use. I get it. That Look, is for I, I the mean, border. All right. I so. agree with your intent. You know, if you're for sure the border, I'm totally on your side, and thank you for that. And what are you going to do? But let me ask this. Let me just ask you you a question. Can you see why Americans who support 
the Ukrainians' right to secure their own borders. I mean, I certainly do. Most people do. All Americans do. Can you see the frustration that they might feel listening to you, a lawmaker, say, yeah, there's a process, but when it happens in a foreign country, we have to send billions of the U.S. military, your sons, but we can't kind of do that here because why? I mean, can you sort of understand the frustration? A little bit. But I have never said that I want to send can troops, never, our can, boys, can to fight in Ukraine. Because sure. they, they don't give an answer. None, none of them can ever just do. They can't. They, they know that they stand on a uh, on a platform of lies and inconsistent logic. It's just broken. Everything is broken about is them. She is she ignorant or is she braver is she more ignorant or braver than Adam Kinzinger, who won't even go on that show? <laughs> I, I, well, I, I don't know. All right. You know, she's she's either foolish or believes her own hype or she's just stupid to go in there because she doesn't have the facts to back up the statements. Listen to how it starts. This should be the, the first red flag. Here we go. Asking question about borders. All of us are appalled by the violation of Ukraine's borders. You don't seem as appalled by the violation of our borders by tens of millions of people. So let me ask you for the third time. Sure, you support I do. Military That's a equipment. Okay, then would you support the U.S. military securing the United States border tonight or on the same timetable as sending MiGs to Ukraine? How about that? I, that's hypothetical again. Let's no, it's talk a very straightforward question. What and, are you talking okay. about? No, it's, it's not. not hypothetical. <laughs> it's not hypothetical. It's literally the only responsibility that the United States Congress has is to defend its borders, to defend our national borders, and to regulate international trade. It's literally one of the only things it has as a responsibility as per our Constitution. But, you know, the, the, uh, the, the crisis de jour around the world Whatever the hell it is, now it's Ukraine. That's now now Ukraine is the fifty-first state. You know, the next week it'll be another another place thousands of miles away. Afghanistan was the fifty-first state not too long ago. It's just this is just what it is. So they sent something like fourteen billion dollars. Was that correct? That number, Mike? Uh to Ukraine? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that that's what was approved. So fourteen billion. Someone did the math. We could have rescued a hundred thousand United States restaurants. Oh, yeah. And the restaurant people didn't even get the help. The small restaurant tours got screwed in the in any restaurant aid that was out there. So we we could have saved a great industry that does wonders for local economies. No, we can't do that. We got to send 14 billion over to Ukraine instead. Yeah. You, you know what? Send the 14 billion over to Ukraine because you, you can always just take uh, you can always just take self-employment tax from Frank. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, don't worry. I'll co- I'll Must cover all of our, I'll I'll cover the domestic front, Congress. <laughs> you you just send billions somewhere else. Well, don't don't worry, Frank. Once Title Forty Two expires, isn't that coming up in a couple of days? Here, we're only going to have another gigantic surge at the border. There's twenty five thousand people already waiting to cross, waiting for that to expire. Um. I, I, Right. I don't mean to spin you I out, suppose. but maybe suppose. Maria will go down there and ask everybody not to stop. She apparently has something on her own website uh, called the Redemption Program that she supports that says a lot of things, but it doesn't say anything about securing the border. It talks about making uh, making it mandatory that people come here, and learn English and uh, there are uh, pathways to citizenship for people who are here illegally already. But she doesn't care about tightening up the border. Perhaps no. she could only wear white when she goes down there and she can cry at a chain link fence. That would be the only thing that would get anyone's attention. Yeah, she should have worn white for this. This uh, this, this whole phone call is completely inauthentic. Terrible. So moving right along, the New York Times. <laughs> I heard of them. Hunter Biden paid tax bill, but broad federal investigation continues. Yes. And uh, the uh, continuing the testimony, uh, the grand jury testimony happening here in Wilmington, Delaware. I don't know if you're aware of that, where the baby mama is uh, speechifying to to investigators. There are all kinds of rumors floating around the golf course here because everybody knows a guy who knows a guy who's been sitting with what, what was her name? Weed. Um, 
it's just like it, she has a weird online name like weed whore one of the people that that talked to uh the grand jury was this one of the one of the, the baby's mom who took him to court during the campaign no the baby mama who took him to court um she's got an attorney who's telling everybody that hunter's about to get indicted so can yeah. you can you share some of the rumors that you're hearing, knowing, of course, as we sit here, that they're all just rumors and men talking on the golf course? Uh, men do talk on the golf course. The rumors are that they're getting really close to Hunter and really, really close to Hunter. And uh, especially from the baby mama who was in there. And this is the one who Hunter denied he knew her, then denied he got her pregnant, then denied it was his kid. Until they asked for a uh, DNA check. It would have been the best Maury Povich episode ever. Mm. And, and she was getting paid by um, the, um, the the hedge fund group. Uh, I got to remember the name of it. And and they she had a no-show job, which seems to be a thing with Hunter. And she was getting paid in health benefits for the kid. And when they cut that off, that's when she started crowing. This so, was the same one that I was talking about. Yeah. She's she's telling everything, apparently. And that is why um, her attorney appears to think Hunter's very close to getting indicted. Now, I wonder why The New York Times has suddenly uh, legitimized the laptop now. And could it be tied to anything that might be coming out of this investigation after Hunter paid his taxes? And as Frank will tell you, the IRS. Yeah, they're happy you paid your taxes, but they're still going to get their pound of flesh if you paid it late. There's going to be a penalty to be paid. And if anything was um, done illegally, there might even be jail time involved. So I, I don't know if that's what ultimately gets Hunter if, you know, they couldn't catch him on any of the other crimes he's committed. And yes, I can say that comfortably. He uh, broke federal law when he got that firearm. Yeah, but so, is this a is this a way you think is this is I don't know why it would be because there's nobody to fill in the gap and uh, you're you still have a few years left in the Biden administration's uh, first term, but it's very interesting that uh, it almost seems like this may be a, a good way of getting rid of Hunter and Joe. Um, I, I I don't know I don't know why, but you can't examine the Hunter Biden situation with any seriousness and not see the direct link and the, uh, I mean, the, the coordination between he and his father and how that that's why I said, aside from the fact that nobody wanted Joe Biden as president, if he were to become president, he, he was coming pre impeached because of what we were seeing in, uh, in this whole thing. What, what do you think this kind of an impact this has on, on the, the administration, not just his son. I mean, he, there's, there's no way to separate Joe from this. Well, we, we were told by Jen Snarky yesterday that that, in fact, Hunter Biden does work for the U.S. government. Oh, I, I, yeah. I, I so think, that's that's the latest uh, pivot. I think I have uh, somewhere here. Mrs. Uh, Pe Peppermint Kami herself. Here we go. And if I may, um, you're asked about Hunter Biden's laptop. You also, in October 2020, dismissed it as Russian disinformation. Do you stand by that assessment? Again, uh, I point to the Department of Justice and Hunter Biden's representatives. Um, I'm a spokesperson for the United States. He doesn't work for the United States. Want to do another one? Here we go. Sure. The New York Times has authenticated emails that appear to have come from a laptop abandoned by Hunter Biden in Delaware. Um, the president previously said that the New York Post story about this was a bunch of garbage and that it was a Russian plant. Does he stand by that assessment? I appointed the Department of Justice and also to Hunter Biden's representatives. He doesn't work in the government. Oh, my God. I'm pulling you so in on that's the new, that's the vocal fry new excuse. He doesn't work in the government. Do you remember uh, October? It was the end of, I think it was Halloween when Biden got asked about it and um, he, he denied the whole thing, said it was all Russian, Russian, Russian. He, he went Marsha Brady. This, I have that if you'd like. It's yes, kinda, please. It's a little, let's wander through this. So what about the Americans who really today only wanted to ask you about Hunter Biden's laptop? How are you going to get them to see that you are fighting for that? Oh, by the way, it's, it's, there's nothing to any of that. Nothing to any of that. It's all a smear. Every major outfit, every serious investigator has pointed out that this is a smear. This is classic Trump. 
days left, and all of a sudden there's a laptop. And you may, you may recall, there's also talk about four months before there was a similar thing that somebody had, allegedly. There's overwhelming evidence that from the intelligence community that the Russians are engaged. Oh, God. This oh. is son's an honorable man. And all the investigations that were done around the issue of what was going on in Ukraine, if you notice, every one of the major people who worked for Trump during the impeachment went under oath. And under oath said Biden did his job. It, it goes on. That, but That's not true. None of that's true. I mean, I, overwhelming evidence, Mike. Well, John Brennan himself was one of the people that Jen Snarky quoted as coming out, one of the intelligence people. Will Brennan now have to denounce? Will he have to reject the uh, the multi-million dollars I'm sure he's getting paid from MSNBC to be an analyst for them? It's just amazing. There were almost 50 members of the intel community who signed off on the Hunter Biden thing. Um, it's- I have them. You want to hear some? Sorry, I've got, I'm, I don't know if you can hear that. Siri keeps answering. Tell Siri to take a take a seat. Nobody wants Siri, her. Take a hike. She's gone now. Sorry. General Flynn posted this morning 50 plus former quote intelligence officials who colluded to interfere in the 2020 election by signing a letter saying that Hunter's laptop was a Russian plot. Clapper, Hayden, Panetta, Brennan, uh Polymer Polymeropolis. I never heard of him. John Cipher. Oh, that one. Well, I've had personal interactions what with that per- man. What a perfect name. Cipher. Cipher. Yeah. <laughs> uh, John McLaughlin, Michael Morell, Doug Wise, Nick Rasmussen, Travers, Leapman, Moseman, Pfeiffer, Jeremy Bash, Rodney Snyder. They're all here, all of them in all their glory. And then nine who colluded with those listed above, but decided to remain anonymous, which <laughs> General Flynn says makes them even bigger snakes. It never ends. And well, the amazing thing is that it may never end and they will try and run out the clock. I, it sounds weird to think that it could go three more years or almost three more years. But that may be the case because these these grand juries go for Look at this, this damn investigation into everything else. We're still going on. Every every investigation is still going on, it seems. Yeah, you and you and Frank would have great conversation over a, a bourbon or six or seven. Um, uh, yeah, I don't have that much uh, tolerance. The one would do enough. <laughs> um, how, how are your boobs feeling? Oh, great. Great. I, I mean, it's my second week of this new schedule, so it's I, I'm starting to just uh, it's good. Everything's well. Um, Mike. So don't ask me about my boobs. I'm not answering the question. <laughs> it, it, did we make time? I don't know if anybody watched all nine minutes of Arnold Schwarzenegger sending a message to the Russian people. I, I, I didn't watch it. Yeah, isn't it amazing? Because wasn't Arnold Schwarzenegger's father an actual Nazi? Yes, he fought. And, he fought in the Nazi army and was yeah. wounded. He was shot by Russians. So to, to say that we fought the my father would fought the Russians. Like, yeah, uh, uh, do you remember? Who's who is on which side? <laughs> you well, understand what's going on here? You got to shut up, Arnold. We did have a meeting in Moscow after it was all over to try and figure out what what we were going to do with Germany. I you know there was kind of a plan there. But Arnold, uh, when he was 14, met a Russian bodybuilder, which is kind of this is all weird and creepy anyway. And the guy was he was the strongest man in the world. And um he talked about that at the beginning of this. He's all used almost three minutes of his nine minute message to Moscow and to the Russian people to talk about how how close he was to Russian people and how much respect and love he had for them through this Russian bodybuilder, which really sounds kind of creepy to me. But, you know, there you go. But it's not just the Nazi connection, but before he even got to telling the Russian people about Vladimir Putin and what he was lying to them about, saying that he was fighting the neo-Nazis inside Ukraine, he said something that I think is not going to get much attention from mainstream media. So let me give you a little bit, if you don't mind. Sure. That ever since I was 14 years old, I've had nothing but affections and respect for Russia. The strength and the heart of the Russian people have always inspired me. That is why I hope that you will let me tell you the truth of the war in Ukraine and what is happening there. Good. 
No one likes to hear something critical of the government. I understand that. But as a longtime friend of the Russian people, I hope that you will hear what I have to say. May I remind you that I speak with the same heartfelt concern as I spoke to the American people when there was an attempted insurrection on January 6th last year. He's, he's, he's gone. He's, mind, he's gone. The U.S. Capitol trying to overthrow our government. You see, there are moments like this that are so wrong, and then we have to speak up. This is exactly the same with your government. There are moments like this that are so wrong, Arnold, that we have to speak up. Which is exactly pretty much what they did on January 6th. No one's talking about that. That's embedded like four minutes into this nine minutes of Arnold just bad. He literally proved the case for the January 6th riot. Yeah, they did. I want to apologize to everyone. Men of all ages have to do an impression every time they're talking about what Arnold Schwarzenegger said. It's just required. Well, here's the thing, but, and, and this is why it always, it always works out this way where I never understand why leftists on the, the, um, the, the, uh, the low tide at the pier that is Twitter are always so keen on making things trend like party of treason or traitors. I'm like tra- traitor to whom? I mean, who who are they betraying when you're the party that uh, hates everything from our very borders to our founders to our founding documents to everything? I mean, what what is what is treason? What is treason? So the same the same way that uh, that always confounds me is when I hear something come out of this uh, this once great man uh Arnold Schwarzenegger really was a uh, a role model for a lot of us growing up, and he's just I don't know the the pig valve in his heart. He must have taken a pig brain as well. I I don't I don't know, but it, it's interesting to hear this because I start once again asking the question: Who is he talking about? And 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 would they know an invasion when it came? You see, they're the occupiers who think that they're a. It's a really weird psychological position to be in. They're the occupiers who believe that they're oppressed, fighting as the underdog. So they they never understand that in this story they actually are the bad guys, and um, and uh, and and that's just why they sound so tone deaf when they go on little tirades like this. Just so weird. There there is um I just got a note as we're speaking from uh, my brother Greg who happens to be um, a conservative man who also spent a lot of time in Russia. I was telling Tracy we had. Uh, a musical my brother wrote and I helped write the dialogue for it that ran in Russia for a long time. It may still be running in Russia. And I at one point had a uh, a ruble account there. Um, and it's not worth anything now because of all the devaluation. But um, he has a new column coming out in the Wall Street Journal. I think it's going to be uh, maybe Monday on uh what Biden could learn from Hollywood on Ukraine. Now, this should be interesting because my brother is a king of sarcasm. So uh, if keep an eye out for the journal on what Hollywood could u- learn from Ukraine. He doesn't write the headlines, so there may be a different spin on the headline, but keep your eyes open on huh. that. Famous family. Yeah. It's a strange family, isn't it? It's a wonderful family. But uh, yeah, my brother is um, uh, a prolific writer, and uh, musicals, and occasionally, probably once or twice a month, an op-ed piece in the journal. Huh. I got. Hmm. I, I want to do something, Frank. Um, Mike, pull up your descriptions for that picture. Oh, oh, oh! Give me, ch- give me a second here. What picture? I'm gonna. Uh, you'll, s- find, you'll find. Out. Yeah. Hang on there, Sparky. I'm give gonna us. text you a picture, Frank. Mm-hmm. This will be good. I want Hold you on. to look at it and tell me the first thing you see. Uh, yeah, not yet, Tracy. Let me get the, let me get this story here. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay, here we go. All right, I, I've got the uh, the list. Okay, here it comes Frankie. Ready? Okay, texted. All right. First thing I see is a skull. Whoa. Okay. okay. Very good. Very good. This is like a modern Rorschach test. Tell him what it means. Uh, if you see the skull, Frank, don't panic. Don't panic. It doesn't mean you're a serial killer, although it doesn't discount you or uh, preclude you. Um, 
even though skulls are generally considered a symbol of death, poison, or something sinister, in this case, they indicate a positive trait in your personality. The skull means your greatest strength is your intellectual power. In other words, you are smart. Skulls have been used in art and literature to represent the power of the mind, and in this case, it is true as well. Your biggest strength lies in your deep thoughts. Okay, well, I mean, I, I, I see, I see what the picture is, but I just know by the way that it is, uh, it's set up. It, it looks like a skull. What are other people seeing? See, I okay. didn't even see the skull. I had a search for it. Oh, Tracy first saw the. Um, I believe you saw the scenery, right? No, Tracy? I saw the little girl first. Okay, and that was my first. I saw the little girl first, and then I immediately went to the skull after that. If you see the little girl first, those who first notice the girl have a unique gift. They tend to move past life's difficulties and are able to overcome obstacles with comfort. Their youthful spirit makes them determined to face challenges other people might have struggled to face. Their special perspective in life means they do not bow under pressure, even under difficult circumstances. And then I so, saw uh, that senior, the scenery was my second and in your secondary, um, the scenery, if you notice the scene there, um, if if your eyes focus on the dark woods, it means your biggest strength is your ability to trust your instincts. The situations when others would panic, you will rely on your gut feeling because you know it will eventually be right. Remember that even in difficult situations, your instinct will always help you to make the right decision. And uh, so there you go. It. It's uh, really interesting. It's a, a fascinating little optical illusion that leads to then a 35 questionnaire, uh, question questionnaire that we're not going to go through. Well, I was going to say, what, what does it say about people who saw everything all at once? Because I, I did see, I saw it was a little girl looking out into a clearing, but at the same time, I said, this is situated, so it looks like a skull as well. Well, it's, um, it's, there's a dominant, we all have dominant parts of our personality, and that I think that that those three indicate which is the the dominant okay. among the various skills and talents you hold. I would say that um, I would say that this is absolutely spot on about you, Frank. Okay, so well, I, I mean, well, this is interesting. I, I appreciate. <laughs> I just got a text from Brandon Strock. Oh yeah, and he said, "I want to call your podcast." Oh, we should have him a walk away guy. <laughs> it's literally five minutes till the end of the show. He's like, "We can, we can just." Talk about everybody in gossip. <laughs> <laughs> Gossiping. Bring him in next Friday. It could be a Friday with Frank and uh, with Brandon. I'm not even going to get a word in edgewise in that one. I'll just sit back. You interviewed him after, after, right? Frank, how did that interview go? It was good. I, it was really good. I, I, I don't, when, when was that? That a couple weeks ago. It feels ago. like it was at least three or four weeks ago. And uh, I brought him on because uh, I know he was trying to, he was, getting out there again, doing some media. And I had a cancellation. I said, Oh, you know what? I'm going to reach out to Brandon. And, uh, it, it was, it was a good, it was a good show. I think it was just to see, to, to learn and to listen. Obviously you can take a lot away from his personal experience based on that interview he did with Mark Levin, but I just had a couple of, uh, follow-up questions and, and some other things, uh, to do, uh, to do with him. And it was, uh, it was good. It really was. And I'm uh, I'm sorry to see all all of he's all that he's gone through, and to think that there are once again so many people out there who are going through probably worse that don't have platforms and don't have friends like he does. Oh my God, that that story of the father that is probably God knows how many time how many years he's going away for because his 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 uh his stupid son narked on him for yeah. the FBI. Yeah, did, that's just awful story. Did you hear that, Mike? I did not hear it. Oh, there's a father whose son, I guess, was indoctrinated to the to the left and the government wore a wire, wore a wire on his own dad. Mm. The, the government weaponized him basically against his father. Wow. And then he had to go and testify and the daughter had to testify and like, you know, little things that you quib about with your parents that don't mean anything that are just jokes I like to kill that guy. You know, stupid crap turns into legitimate threats when you have a radicalized leftist son who's been weaponized by the DOJ against you. That's I, I will tell you, um, we live in strange times. 
not only do you have to watch what you say around your family, we had this conversation again on the sanctity of the golf course where one of the people we were playing golf with said, so-and-so would like to see this, this president um, taken out. And I said, what's wrong with you? You're, sur- you're in Delaware. You're surrounded by Democrats. Someone's going to call Secret Service and say you just threatened the president. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, they're not. I said, okay, but I would stop saying that out loud. Yeah, seriously. I mean, you can't even joke around. Like some of the, the text messages that they've taken out of context from Congress people. Oh, yeah. Changed sentences to read other things. Like absolute insanity. You mean like Adam Schiff? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Uh, but no, I, the worst thing anyone could do is advocate violence against an elected official. And I, I admonish everybody who does that. Let's not be stupid people. The, uh, the, it's just absolute idiocy to think violence solves anything. Do you, so, ever, do you ever see the comparison, the comparison tweets that are done? Like when, a, when, a, when on someone on the left gets angry that someone on the right may have said something remotely close to what may be perceived potentially as a threat. And yeah. then you go through their timeline and all you see are like the horribly evil rantings of madmen. It It's um, it's kind of fun for me to see people melt down themselves. I have to admit that again, it goes back to my schadenfreude when people, when people have these public meltdowns, I find it entertaining. My wife finds it really troubling that I like that. But um, I do go through and look for the, don't they call it being ratioed yes. on social media? Yes. So I, I do go look for the ratios everywhere. Did we get to, we didn't get to our president and his declaration from yesterday, though, did we? No, we can end with that. But then I want to ask Frank what he has up coming up on the Quite Frankly podcast next week before we go. Okay. Okay. So um, we do, Tracy seems fascinated by, this uh, Australian newscaster that I have um, stumbled into, the lady who asked this question. Trying to say. Wait, no, she she jumped the gun here. This lady is an anchor on Sky News Australia. What in God's name is Joe Biden trying to say? So we ask that question all the time. And yesterday, Joe gave us another opportunity. I may be Irish, but I'm not stupid. I married Dominic Giacoppa's daughter. And he gives the Italian hand gesture, you know, he puts the hand up like, hey, he did everything but a French kiss, you know, right. the French chef kiss. So he said that. But um, this this news anchor from Sky, Tracy and Frank has now turned her her guns on Kamala and she's decided that Kamala Harris is worthy. Do you mind hearing a little more from her? As she's pivoting. Oh, no, please. Okay, this was, uh, I think, day before yesterday on Sky News. The cackling nincompoop who is a heartbeat away (laughs) from the presidency, the comprehensively incapable Kamala Harris. Her wretched performance this week has cemented her place as the worst vice president in U.S. history. And my word, they've had a few doozies, including one who shot founding father Alexandra Hamilton dead. Yeah, he shot him dead. And another one who couldn't even smell potato. But you know what? Dan Quayle is a genius when compared to Kamala. After a cringeworthy performance in recent weeks, she had the opportunity to redeem herself during a vitally important trip to Poland and Romania as Russia's invasion of Ukraine plunges the region into a deepening crisis. The White House said her visit will demonstrate the strength and unity of the NATO alliance. What it actually did was demonstrate the utter ineptitude of the vice president. <laughs> and she just ended with a of cackling moments. <laughs> I love this lady. She's my new favorite newscaster. I, lo- I like the uh, I like that uh, cackling nincompoop um, title. That's a good one. Yeah, that is a good one. We'll have to see if maybe Larry Schweiker can put it on his list of nicknames. Um, yeah. So Frank, what do you got going yeah. on this week? Oh, uh, well, I, well, tonight I'm, I'm just, I'm just wrapping up the week with some humor tonight and I have some friends coming in the studio and then, uh, tomorrow night is going to be my late night show. I have a, a few other things going on there a little bit off topic, but, um, now this was a pretty wild week. I did, I did a lot of prophecy this week. 
um, biblical prophecy. Edgar Casey. I did a lot of stuff, especially when it comes to to Russia and uh, future iterations of world order. So we that was a a, a good a good time. It really was. Um, next week. We have I have a couple of nice guests in, but March, I mean, the end of March, the last couple of days of March and into April are looking pretty cool. I got uh, Judge Joe Brown coming back. I just booked uh, Kathy O'Brien, MK Ultra Survivor. And then I also uh, I think that G. Edward Griffin is going to be coming on. Woo-hoo! I just don't I don't have a, uh, a date yet. So working my arse off and uh, see what happens. Good. Wow. Well- from, from Judge Joe Brown to Edgar Casey, I declare you not pitiful. <laughs> Thank you. Frank is Thank very, you. uh, very, uh, eclectic. Studious. Yes. Yes. Eclectic. Yeah. So, um, guess what? Yeah. You have been listening to the Dark Delight Podcast with Frankie Val on the drums and Michael Pelka in the legal department. Oh, you my bell belga. You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. We will be back on Monday. Later. On this week's episode of Crush Performance, it's episode number three of the Crush 2022 theme, Organizational and Team Performance, as we talk with Dr. Jacques Delaire, president of Performance Prime. Have you ever wondered why some organizations and teams continue to succeed while others falter? Today, we're going to look at some of the inner workings of successful organizations to see exactly what it is they do to continually outperform the competition. One thing we know, successful organizations thrive under pressure. Today, we'll talk about tools you can use to operate under pressure and reduce anxiety and stress. And we'll look at how you need to restructure the process of self-evaluation and understand the very important difference between self-critique and self-criticism. So join us for episode number three in our series on organizational and team performance. And we've got a fantastic deal from our good friends at Athletic Greens. Crush Performance with Jeff Cruschel can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.